Hey, <clears throat> hey, it's Keith. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. Tomorrow. Yeah, that's why I figured I'd call. Yeah, a little birthday-ish call. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I'm I at can. An especially miserable, loud corner. So of course that means I'm in Toronto. <laughs> but I found a phone, so that's nice. And this phone looks like it's been through the apocalypse. Like this is definitely the opposite of Quebec. They don't. So are you happy to be back? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's not as bad as I thought it would be. Like I was actually, I was kind of, uh, you know, just really having a hard time psyching myself up about it before I got here. But I think it helps a lot that I met that beaches neighborhood, even though it was a little bit expensive, because, because uh, you know how, like Vancouver, it's like a rainforest, everything's awesome, and Montreal, Montreal. The more I think about it, like it's crazy that it just has a, a a mountain in the middle of downtown. You know, like you're 20 minutes from the woods all the time. So the beaches, at least, you know, it's like a nice boardwalk and a beach and stuff. It's a, uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a good way to ease in. But I'm. I'm downtown now. I'm at like Bloor and Spadina. <laughs> Couldn't suck more. It's so shitty. <laughs> Is there a place around there called um, Cheap Eds, Crazy Eds? Oh yeah, Honest Eds. I just Honest Eds. I just walked by there and uh, yeah, because like that's one of those things with leaving town for only a year is that you know nothing has really changed it doesn't feel that uh that epic to come back but it felt that way at that corner because honest eds it's like it was the biggest i don't know it was like a discount department store thing and uh, it takes up the whole block and it's gone <laughs> it's construction now oh it's gone yeah like when i walked by there it doesn't even feel like that block anymore like i'm standing right there it's at uh, bloor and bathurst and I'm like, I know this is Bloor and Bathurst, but it feels, it just doesn't even feel like that anymore because I'm so used to that big store being there and now it's just uh, just a big hole in the ground. Because I saw a show on that last night, not not on that show, but it's uh, it's about Ed Mervish, who is the... Uh, honest Ed himself, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, he's Honest Ed, but the theater that's there, uh, the yeah. Mervish Theater, isn't that what it's called? Yeah, there's still, like, there's a whole neighborhood, like, uh, the Mervish Village or whatever that's still near there, named after him. Well, he apparently bought, he started that Honest Ed's place, or his, uh, his father, I think, started it. He was a, a Jew who came over in the late 1800s, maybe, and started that as a small little store, and then his son, Ed, made it into that great big store, discount place. And his wife, Ed's wife, was very much into theater and that sort of stuff. Ed wasn't interested really at all. But that Mervish Theater in downtown Toronto was uh, used to be called the Royal Alexandra Theater. Right. And they were going to tear it down. And this would have been maybe in the 1960s, late 60s, maybe early 70s. They were going to, anyway, he bought it, put oh, up all kinds of money into it and it is now the Mervish Theater because I've seen it there and uh, and I you see it advertised on TV all the time for certain shows or um, so but anyway then they showed this honest dead or right, and every time every year there was a big celebration after they had been there 50 years I think they started with a great big barbecue that they used to have in the store and with hot dogs and balloons and free shirts and all this jazz and uh, Ed died in maybe 2011 and uh, his family has had kept on the tradition but they didn't say that they'd torn it down yeah it's been kind of going through the different periods like uh, I knew about it because that uh, that comic book Scott Pilgrim 
one of the fight scenes, it all takes place in Toronto, and one of the fight scenes was inside Honest Ed's, so I already knew about it when I came to Toronto. I'm like, oh, there's that place from that comic book. And uh, so I went in, and, and it's weird, because it is like, it's so big, like it's just got like pots and pans and stuff, but it's so big that it like crosses over the alleyway. There's like a, a skywalk, you know, to get to the other half of the store. Like it really was like of a different era compared to like a dollar store now. Like you could tell this was the kind of thing that just wasn't gonna last. So then a few years ago, they started selling the signs because they always used hand-painted signs. So there's this really distinctive look to Honest Ed. So that's when it was obviously done for when they started selling off the signs and people bought them as like memorabilia. And then yeah, now now it's uh, now it's gone. Okay, I was thinking if I ever went to Toronto, I'd go check out Honest Dead. So I guess I won't be doing that. <laughs> it was pretty cool. I mean, I'm glad I got to go in and see it. It was it was weird, but yeah, it was like kind of because it was mostly cheap stuff, but it did have like an appliance department and stuff that sold more expensive stuff. But it, I really think it is just that that Dollarama, you know, just kind of it's just more convenient. <laughs> you don't have to go in this place that's uh, the size of a city block. Like it really was crazy. Anyway, after he died, his son had been running it since probably about the 19... Oh, I don't know. 1980s, 1990s. Um, so I thought, yeah, it was still their own concern. But yeah, it looked like those big car dealerships that you see. Right. Uh, when you're watching old movies from like the 70s and the 80s, and they all pull into a big car, car dealership, and it always has these big signs, like, on us, Ed. Yeah, like... Uh it had like just all these like goofy signs around the outside of stuff like uh, something about like I can't remember just dumb puns and stuff about how like the floors may be crooked but Honest Ed is not you know stupid shit like that. <laughs> so yeah, it, it really had kind of a little like Andy Griffith sort of feel to it. But yeah, I mean the uh, I mean the real estate prices because that's you know like a major major um, intersection in downtown Toronto I mean I think they're just putting up condos and like yeah it must have been worth it must have been worth so much money a million yeah probably because it, it, it was huge wasn't it yeah oh, and it enormous. looked like it was all one level or maybe two levels yeah it was two floors and like maybe it wasn't the whole block I don't know it's hard to tell because it like it definitely spanned the whole block but I don't know how deep into the block it went and then there were certain other stores too that were just like around the edges but yeah, it was a, uh, it was kind of cool. Famous landmark, bites the bullet. Yeah, it just makes this city like one, like that's what I was thinking when I walked by it earlier is like, like Toronto really is, I, I think I've said this before, but it's like, what I always think of is the Simpsons where they go to Toronto and, uh, and Marge loves it because it's so bland and unassuming. And I'm just thinking like, well, here's yet another block that is just going to be bland and unassuming. Like it's just going to be a condo now. Like that's what... That's what Toronto wants to be. It wants to be the most boring city in the world. So it's just another step, another step closer. Because I mean, I really, I don't mind Toronto really, but yeah, it's fucking bland. Like there is nothing. Like when I was hanging out with Ray the other day and he's like, hey, so what should we order, you know, for food? We can just order in, you can get anything you want. And I couldn't think of anything. Like there is nothing specific about Toronto, like food that I miss. As, you know, just and that sort of that describes like even Fredericton's got the samosas, you know. Toronto and then uh, you know the Montreal's got the poutine and smoked meat. What the hell does Toronto have? It doesn't get shit. <laughs> you know? Well, a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I guess is yeah, it's got everything, but it also has nothing. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's cool to like see people and stuff and hang out and whatnot. 
but expensive too. Yeah, like I noticed you guys put uh, a little money in, I assume as a birthday thing, but I did kind of need it because <laughs> just because I've got my Airbnbs booked until near the end of November, I guess, you know, to try to get things in advance to keep them a little cheaper, but it's just so freaking expensive around here, so. Yeah, well, I asked Neil to put that in a little early, but uh, you've got to do a deposit to the BNF tomorrow, so maybe we'll give you a little, little more of a hike. <laughs> it's funny, dude, because it's just like, you know, I, I still am living the book bag life. Like, I don't really buy anything, because what would I do with it? But uh, just stuff like my underwear. I noticed that my underwear is getting ridiculous. Like, too many holes in the underwear. Even though nobody ever sees my underwear, it's like, this is still ridiculous. So I just went to Walmart and I'm like, oh, I'll just go pick up some underwear. And it's like $18 for four pairs of underwear. <laughs> it just doesn't that seem like a lot for underwear. Yes, it does. But that's, I don't know, everything, everything's expensive. It's just how it is. Yeah, and underwear is not usually the kind of thing you can go and get at uh, Value Village and that either. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather. I'd rather not. I think, too, it's just because it's summer. I mean, I, I never really notice an underwear shortage in the winter because I guess, you know, I can go a couple of days. But at this this heat level, like, I'm just, all my clothes are ruined every day. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm going through my underwear fast. Probably that's eating through them, too. I'm just sweating and, you know, dissolving my underwear. But again, even that, it's like nice to be by the beaches because it just, it feels more natural. Like it's been pretty hot this month, which I'm not complaining. I guess it's better than cold. But, you know, like a couple of just crazy humid days and stuff. But when you're on a boardwalk next to a beach, it's like, yeah, that's fine. This is supposed to feel like this, you know. <laughs> Whereas when you're in the inner city parts of Toronto and it's hot, it just feels like you're inside the garbage, you know. <laughs> like everything smells like garbage and everything sucks and it's just like, look. It's been really hot here too, like humid very unusual for this neck of the woods so yeah i guess i don't uh i don't really have much to report or anything but uh but one thing that i thought was kind of neat because it kind of ties into this podcast is uh yesterday i was walking around and i found one of those you know those boxes where people donate books there's a lot of those in toronto and do you remember it was one of our very first episodes of this podcast way back like four years ago you were watching the jewel in the crown on tv Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I found the book of it. <laughs> so I didn't know there was a book, but apparently there is a book. So, uh, so I guess I'll read it. <laughs> I didn't know there was a book either. Uh, the, a book of it probably ties it together quite well, whereas I found, I, I found this series, that, that TV serial, kind of disjointed. Right. Yeah, well, if so you want maybe it. if you pick it up. Yeah, I'll hang on to it. I'll bring it to Fredericton yeah, in case you want to browse through. Uh, I mean, I know a little bit about the jewel in the ground enough that, uh, but I, I bet I might enjoy a book if it's well written, and it probably would tie it together a whole lot more than the the TV series I found disjointed. And oftentimes you were looking at people, you're saying like, who is that guy? Because they kind of all look alike. Um, like like some of the yeah, well, just okay. Then the the, the Indian people. Right young men that were in it would look like that guy would look a lot like that guy and say, well, who's that? okay, now who is he and what's that connection there? And later, yeah, you could kind of, oh yeah, that's him. But they didn't give you enough enough of the character so that you so that you knew, as soon as you saw him, you knew who he was. It was, it was very disjointed. Yes, and that's the second time I've tried watching The Jewel in the Crown. And it's not like a huge book, it's just kind of a little paperback, so yeah, it's probably... I mean, you can squeeze a lot more into a book, but it's not like a big uh, a big commitment either. So yeah, I think it could be kind of cool. I love, too, just finding stuff like that, like just... 
because you know there's so many books and movies and whatever in the world like without some kind of direction it's like I have no idea I don't, I don't know what to read I don't know what to care about so just the fact that uh, somebody else you know had that book like in a way that sort of uh, gives it some credence that somebody else read it and donated it to a thing thinking someone else might want to read it and then knowing that you were watching it on TV I'm like okay cool you know that's that's enough direction that's a reason to try it out why not and I bet the book maybe will tie in a whole lot like the, the revolution that's going on in 1948 in in India um, I mean I know what went on there in a little bit but uh, it probably gives you a better insight into the cast and yeah, yeah, bring it home. I'll have a, I'll have a gander at it. Speaking of that, I think uh, I don't think it ever we ever brought it up, but uh, speaking of books, I got out of donation boxes from Toronto. You remember that book, uh, The Glass Castle? Yeah, it's still booting around here. Yeah, so uh, the movie of that came out, and uh, I don't know. I guess we just never talked about it. In a way, I guess maybe that says more about the movie than anything. Like it wasn't a bad movie, but I guess like with any any adaptation, you know, they have to choose what to focus on. And uh, it's Woody Harrelson that plays the dad, and and I, I feel like they kind of made him uh, like kind of overly sympathetic in the movie. <laughs> to me, it felt like that kind of sidestepped the point. Like to me, I felt I felt like the point of that book was this was ridiculous and this guy was ridiculous, but you know, despite that, he's still you know he's still the dad. They still had some good times despite all the many bad times. But uh, I don't know, I guess with a movie, maybe they were afraid to lean too much on the bad times, you know? Maybe they turn people off or whatever, but I mean, that was the point. I don't know why make it if you're not gonna, you know, lean into that. Yeah, I mean, that man definitely had a few mental issues. Yeah, yeah, so it was like a little bit of a bland movie. And you know, it ends with like footage of the dad and like the nice music and then the kids growing up now like talking about like oh good old dad you know and I'm like this is not at all the feeling I got reading this book <laughs> you know that book was like almost like it was almost scary it's like wow these little kids have no control over this situation and they just gotta put up with this guy this crazy drunk it that's the same thing in uh, that Irish book Angela's Ashes yeah right the the movie was very I mean, they covered some of the stuff, but it, it just didn't get to the depth of the thing and what that was really all about. It was, yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, like, I don't know, they can't really show it like it, to the extent that it really was. I mean, people might, maybe they're going to start thinking bad about these actors who are playing these roles. Uh, they just can't seem to, to get to the real nitty-gritty of what was going on in that, because that, again, was a man who was very much like that. It was very much into himself, and, you know, it's what he wanted. And how, when he went off to have the drink, he was ugly and vicious, and he beat up he beat up his wife, beat up his kids, made them live in just horrible conditions. And the movie tried to do that, but it didn't, it doesn't get to you. It's not like, too, there's points in that book where you laugh out loud, but you're by yourself and you laugh, especially when they talk about the church and the host and all that stuff. Right. Uh, they just, they just, and it's the writing, it's the way the words are put together that make the book superior to the movie. They just, they just can't pull that off in a, in a video, visual thing. I'm not saying it was a bad movie, but it just didn't quite, you know, the poor long-suffering mother, and then here's the kids, and it just didn't do it. 
Yeah, I feel like that's very similar yeah, to how I felt about it. And I think that Glass House, they probably can't do it either because it's the way that book is written that is so riveting. The, the author has a... It's like, okay, Harry Potter, same thing. The first Harry Potter. I can't say the others are like it at all. They're more uh, adventuresome in the drama. But the way the first Harry Potter book is written is is really tight and really well written. And, and actually, she expresses herself in such a way that, yes, there's times you're by yourself and you laugh out loud. But also kind of brutal, like that first scene of Harry living under the stairs and his shitty aunt and uncle. Like, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it is, but the way they say things and, and you know... You find yourself laughing. That, I mean, that's black humor at its best. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, maybe it's just like, and there's obviously limitations to movies because you have much less time, but, but I think more it's probably just the, uh, the committee of it. You know, like when you're writing a book, it's just you and you can just, you know, unfiltered, here's what I want to express. But yeah, once somebody puts $100 million into it or, or even a million dollars into it, suddenly yeah it's like let's let's sand off all these edges let's make sure nobody gets too upset about this and it's the and 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 movies are written in the visual and the spoken word the book is able to put a, a, a thought processes in it too so yeah. and that's what you're that's what's really you're getting at but that's the depth the extra depth that you get that you it's very hard to get in a movie but there are some guys who do it who have done it so uh, another weird thing that happened at the uh, at this this little book box. So I was at the box and I was looking through stuff. I found you know the jewel in the crown and I found some fireside books. So I'm like yeah I'll read those and then you know pass them forward. So this dude came over who's like I don't know ten years older than me, and he's like hey there's this one book that I put in this box. He said he he comes by every day to see if anyone has taken it and they haven't. And it's just this nondescript giant hardcover book, like it didn't have its uh, its dust jacket, so it just was a big red hardcover. And he's like, it's about the guy who uh, built the Hoover Dam, and it's super interesting. And I'm like, uh, okay, I guess I'll I guess I'll take it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and for like a moment. As I was walking away, I'm like, hey, you never know. Maybe that was another just weird serendipitous thing. Maybe it's really interesting. But it's so big and the writing is like the print is so small. And I'm just like, like, there's no way, right? It's about the goddamn Hoover Dam. I don't care about that. <laughs> so I don't know. And I mean, I got to if I'm going to read it, I got to read it while I'm in Toronto because I'm certainly not going to cart around this enormous hardcover book. So I guess I'll give it a shot. <laughs> but, but it's like. I don't know, it's just funny that he's like, I just, I can't believe no one is, is biting on this. And, and it's like, it doesn't seem that surprising. Like, it's it's more like a textbook than it is, you know, a book. So, after you're done with it, you'll have to put it back in the same book block. <laughs> well, I was thinking that, like, I don't know, should I? Or should I go find a different box? Like, yeah, maybe yeah, it'll... give the guy a break and put it somewhere else. Yeah, like, it would be a, would it be a downer to him. I was thinking that, actually, even just that day, I'm like, I could just go put this back on my way home. <laughs> but then you'd see it the next day and be like, there's no way that fucking guy read my <laughs> Hoover Dam book in one day. But yeah, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's funny because like, it's weird how our society, it's kind of, uh, you know, people have definitely drifted apart. Nobody really talks to each other. But then whenever someone does talk to you, it's always, it never is for the best. You know? 
It's always something annoying. Oh, so a, a, a little weird story that happened to me. So I was sitting on one of the benches down by the boardwalk and just staring out at the lake, doing nothing. I don't know, I guess I was like writing on my phone. And this old guy, probably in his 70s, he rolled up on, it was like the Segway thing, but like a three-wheeled, just like a three-wheeled little buggy, electric buggy thing. And he's like, hey, you got the best seat in the house. And I, I looked to either side and there were empty spaces on other benches, but I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess so. He's like, mind if I sit down? So I'm like, okay, <laughs> slid over. And yeah, he just started blabbing to me. And I just presumed it was just lonely old man. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll talk to a lonely old man for a few minutes, whatever. You know, maybe he'll say something interesting. I'll learn about the past. I don't know, whatever. But it just really quickly became this dude is just like uh, telling me how he got divorced and he's been doing internet dating and he's been looking at like not just the dating with girls but he's like hey i checked out the the site where you date guys too i mean i never did that but i mean yeah, i'm not prejudiced <laughs> yeah he was not smooth at all uh-oh uh, so you said i got I gotta be somewhere <laughs> well that's the thing is that he i really felt like he thought he wasn't being super obvious so i didn't want to embarrass him so i just kind of you know, I'm like, well, I also had to go pee, so I'm like, well, I'm gonna leave any minute now just to go find a bathroom, so I'll just, I'll just pretend this isn't weird, you know? But it just, man, it fell off a cliff so fast, but then oh, he's yeah. like, do you smoke weed? And I'm like, no, not really. And he's like, well, what about drinking? I, I live just over here, I got beer at my place. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. And then he's like, you ever been out on a boat? I got a boat. You ever want to go out on the lake? I got a boat. <laughs> And then I'm just like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go pee. Nice to meet you, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's a definite pick me out. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I got my little taste of what it must be like to just be a girl who gets randomly hit on, and yeah, and uh, I don't or know. Or a guy. <laughs> well, I guess, but I mean, I feel like that it really doesn't. I don't know. I got to assume it happens way more if you're a woman, but but I feel like I probably also felt probably how most women feel that like if this was. If this was some super hot guy, if this was Brad Pitt, you know, maybe I'd be like, oh, a boat, eh? Like, I'm still not going to do it, but I'm flattered. As opposed to this, where I'm just like, you're just a weird old man who's like a sledgehammer. You're not even a smooth conversationalist. Like, there's nothing. No. Yeah, it's probably all that kind of stuff that goes on where they see somebody sitting alone. They just presume it's you're just sitting there waiting to be picked up. Yeah, maybe. Although I did kind of believe this guy's thing about how he was married for 24 years and just got divorced because he he was not a smooth operator, you know? <laughs> like, it didn't seem like this was his 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 uh, normal, what's the word I'm looking for, hobby to just go chat up people because he'd be better at it, surely. <laughs> he was fucking terrible. But anyway, yeah, just the, the point is, yeah, whenever someone talks to you in this day and age, it's never good anymore because it's not yeah. it's not an yeah, average it's be person suspicious. they've got an ulterior, ulterior motive yeah either they want to touch your dick or they want you to read a goddamn book that's the size of a fucking dictionary <laughs> <laughs> just bad either way so i guess i got like yeah i got the ultra nerdy annoying guy and the uh, party on a boat <laughs> annoying guy i got both sides of the spectrum but yeah that is weird to think about like I mean, I'm probably just, speaking of Andy Griffith, my view of the past is basically just based on old TV shows. I don't know what it was really like. But presumably, back when people were sort of friendlier and stuff, you would have a better ratio of people that you talked with on a day-to-day -day because more people were talking to you. Normal people were talking to you. Where now that we're in this little society where everyone just wears headphones and they look at their phone all day, so the only people that uh, break out of that cycle are only the annoying ones. 
Yeah, times have definitely changed. Human communication is, well, it's broken down. Communicate with your telephone now. Yeah, it's totally true. It's how it is. So, uh, yeah, and since this uh, corner is all loud and crap, I should probably not make this episode too long, but um, uh, I could tell you about a weird thing that happened to me and Brad in Montreal, though. This time it doesn't involve people, it just involves animals. So uh, we were on Mount Royal and the sun was starting to go down, but uh, there's like this observation sort of observation area on the side of the mountain. Like there's the main one where you can see downtown Montreal, but then there's the one off to the side where you can't really see anything except that that uh, expo building, you know, the... Uh, the big round ball? Yeah, with the weird elevator thing that just pokes out yeah. of it for no reason. Uh, and it was getting dark, but I'm like, well, let's swing by there real quick before it gets dark. And uh, I'd never been over there before that time of night. But it turns out that's when like the more nocturnal animals start to come out like raccoons and it was really weird so there was this just he seemed like sick or injured this raccoon that was all like slow and logy and just kind of loping around and uh and i noticed there were all these signs that were saying like hey stay away from the raccoon like don't feed the raccoon they uh you know the raccoon is still a wild animal and it'll bite you and I'm like, this is, this is weird. Like, I just kind of couldn't figure out what was going on. Like, is there just this raccoon who won't leave? And they put up signs about the raccoon. But as we kind of hung out for a bit, we started to notice there were raccoons fucking everywhere. Like, literally poking their heads out of the garbage cans. Like, uh, I don't know, like it was uh, the Muppet Show or something, you know? Like, just these, these big, fat, slow raccoons. And uh, it turns out, I looked it up later, apparently this has been a problem for years where there's tour buses that go by there all the time because of this view and the raccoons have learned that if they come out like they can not only eat garbage but no matter how many signs you put up someone's gonna feed them so this sick raccoon wasn't sick he was just fat he was just a fat ass raccoon that's been eating cheetos and stuff and isn't scared of people anymore and that's what they all do and it was just weird because it was like just like you know nobody got too close to the raccoons but they did almost feel domesticated because like they were just there's the raccoons walking and people just kind of give them a little bit of birth but yeah just just strange because i also was thinking like i wonder how they could ever fix this situation but when you have a different tour bus coming by you know all day probably six buses a day like what can you do this is just how yeah, it is now. urban raccoon yeah and it was just weird when i realized that this like raccoon like I would have swore up and down he was like, you know, sick and dying, but he's not. He's just a domesticated junk food raccoon. It's like this is definitely bad for the raccoons. And see, you could never relocate them into the wild because well, they they they've been born into that. Yeah, and they're just on the mountain. I mean, the mountain's only what half a mile wide. It's like not even like what are you gonna do? Oh, I yeah. mean, I guess you mean like relocate them away from yeah, the. Yeah, relocate them into like you know. I don't know, 100 miles away in the deep woods, because this is this is what they know. This is how they live. They are they're not wild animals. I mean, they're wild animals, but they're not wild animals that can fend for themselves in the deep wild anymore. And I guess that's the other thing too. Is like it seems kind of I can definitely see why tourists would just feed them because it seems kind of nice at first. I'm like, yeah, why not? Why not give some food to the raccoons? But then as we hung around a bit, and I started really paying attention to these raccoons, I'm like, whoa. This is weird. This is not good. See, that's like the bears out in Jasper Park. Uh, they find it. They come right up to your car. 
and if you don't give them food, they'll beat on your car. <laughs> right. Yeah, because, you know, that's what they're used to. And, and, you know, they'll say, don't feed them. But, but there's always somebody who feeds them. Looks down the window and slides some food out the window. Well, that makes it worse. So uh, they don't hang out in the wild either. They hang out on that highway that goes into Jasper Park. Man, that and was... there are people who their cars have been attacked because, you know, the bear saying, give me some food, and you're being told don't give them food, so they pound on the windows and break some windows and <laughs> try to flip cars over. And That was how, uh, I can't remember the lady's name off the top of my head, uh, she was at like a lion sanctuary where, you know, they were ex extremely clear of like, don't open your windows, don't try to feed the fucking lions, and she opened her window and she got fucking killed, and it's like, it's obviously sad when anybody dies, but... I know, like, but you're saying, you know what, are you stupid? Yeah, that's one of... You asked for it. That really is one of the least sad... Yeah, because it's like, wow, you did you want to die? Like, what did you think? Like, I don't know, it's just weird that people have this... Again, I was thinking about these raccoons. Like, they seem nice, but I bet those signs aren't lying. I bet if you fuck with the raccoon, you get your ass bit. Yeah, I the, bet if you, if you, let's say, you held something out and you didn't... Or you didn't drop it, you were holding it in your hand and you didn't... Yeah, they've got those little, those little claws, those little hands, and they've got big long claws on them. Anyway, I guess I should get moseying because it's, uh, it's getting a little dark on this corner. and. Yeah, it's pitch black here, so. Right. <laughs> and it's been pitch black for over an hour. So yeah, so I'll be in Toronto till at least the end of November, maybe early December, and then I'm still probably just going to come back to Fredericton. Nothing is set, but I, I'm guessing. But I'll give you another call at some point while I'm here in Toronto. Okay, well, happy 39 tomorrow. Thank God, you. That sounds old. Yeah, Holy I know, right? Jeez. <laughs> I, uh, I really was hoping, I'm like, I wonder if I can finish a novel and like maybe at least submit it to publishers and stuff before I'm 40. I mean, I think so. It's still a year, right? Because <laughs> that just <laughs> seems like that's like a pretty good, you know, that whole like 30s, the new 20. 40 is the new 30, whatever. But I still feel like 40 is still 40. 40 is like, if I, don't, if I don't have something going in life that seems like some kind of path, like, that seems like a good time to uh, maybe reevaluate a little, maybe? Yeah, I mean, that 40, that's middle age. Yeah, sort of. I mean, I don't know. It's again, I feel like, uh, did you ever see that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation? It was a, the first episode, actually, where uh, Bones was in it. And even though... Next Generation takes place like 70 years later, he's just still alive because in the 21st or 24th century, that's just how long people live. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. They're like, how can we work one of the old characters into this show? Hey, we'll just say he's still alive. But he was, you know, they put makeup on him so he looked real old. But yeah, I mean, I, I figure it's probably 40, like I really don't feel like 40s middle age is what I'm trying to say for this, uh, this generation. Like. I think 50. At 50, like, okay, but I don't know. Yeah. No, no, you're, you know, people, you're, at 40, you're still young. Yeah. Anyway. You know, we you know. like to think ourselves at middle age when we're 60. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think we're a little past it. <laughs> I was just saw, though, the other day I saw an interview with, uh, do you remember Super Dave Osborne? Yes, I do. <laughs> so uh, he, uh, I just saw like, it was like an hour long interview with him and he's like 73 now and he's still like so sharp and so funny and doesn't seem like an old guy at all. And it was like inspiring. It's like nice, as long as you kind of keep your, keep your mind oiled up and just keep active and you know, 
Like, even that's not really that old. It doesn't... I mean, for some people it is. Some people, they seem like the fucking yeah, crypt Yeah, some people, they hit, like, 60, and they just fall apart, and they're decrepit. Yeah. Uh, but some people, yep, 60s, 70s. I've run into people who are in their 80s. I ran into a lady the other day who was 91, and she is in fabulous shape. If somebody had said to me, how old was she? I would have said about 75. That's why I really feel like I should try to get back into like that yoga stuff I was doing. Because even though it didn't fix my back or my shoulder like I was hoping it would, just apparently like that kind of stuff, it's, I guess it's tough because a lot of these rooms I get with Airbnb are very small. Like there's not even room <laughs> in the one I'm in now to do yoga stuff. But, uh, but I heard that that's like a big thing. Like it really does keep you limber and you just, you know, you just age better if you keep your joints fluid or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, it, this would probably be, as much as I say 40 is not old, this is probably about the time I should start thinking about that. So in 20 years, I'm not thinking like I wish That's I did. That's right. That's what you should do. And there else you'll be like in your 60s like me and you're just like, turn, it'll be fat blob. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I don't care. Right. <laughs> now, well, that's the thing too, is really it's all just like inch by inch life is a cinch, you know, like just little bits. Like even if I just... Yeah, I mean, it could be the same for you. I mean, you just, you just if you wanted to do all that stuff, I don't know. I guess you have... If I wanted to, I could, but yeah. I, I don't have the... I start exercising and stuff and all that, but then I'd give up on it. So I've just said, you know what? I'm not going to stick with that. Yeah. I know myself. It, Tried it too many times. <laughs> it really is, too. It's like, yeah, that's where it's like, I haven't established the, the habit, but like that, that would be the goal, I guess. Like that, there's a... I can't remember who said this, but it seemed like it's probably true. Like the idea that breaking a good habit is as hard as breaking a bad habit. And the example I always think of is like brushing my teeth, like that you instilled that habit in me when I was a kid. I hate not brushing my teeth. Whereas people that didn't brush their teeth when they were kids, it's the exact opposite. They feels like a lead weight. Yeah, they just can't bring themselves to do it. Where if I go to sleep without brushing my teeth, like I can feel it. I can feel it on my teeth and I'm like, why don't I just get up and brush my teeth? Is it really that hard? You know, like it's hard for me not to. So I feel like it's obviously easier to build those patterns when you're a kid, but that, that would be the goal, I guess. Like if I can get in the habit of even just for like 20 minutes a day doing some stretches, if I did that for a year, you know, then I would just keep doing it. Maybe that's it. I mean, my birthday's tomorrow. This seems like a pretty good, that's a good guidepost. Good starting point. I'm, that's all right. And I've got it recorded to, to like remind myself. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you just said you were going to delete a whole lot of that. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll leave this part in. But uh, yeah, like there's this one uh, yoga lady I found on YouTube, Yoga with Adrian, and she just uh, does yoga videos and she's awesome. She makes like, she's makes jokes that I get, you know, she's my appropriate approximate age and, and, uh, and it's only like 20 minutes a day. I can do that. That's so, that's what's so weird. Like the same thing with like meditating. Like I did that for a little while. And again, it's only like 20 minutes. Like I had this, uh, MP3 that was made for it. Like it's just rain noises for 20 minutes. So, you know, when the rain noise is over, you've done your 20 minutes. It shouldn't be hard to just sit still and do nothing for 20 minutes, but man, it feels hard. You know, <laughs> it feels like forever. Yeah, well, because it's not a habit. Yeah. You're right. If, if those kind of habits were instilled in people when they were really young, they would probably stay with them. But anyway, yeah, so that's enough uh, enough rambling out of me. So, yeah, I'll give you a call again, probably in uh, October, you know, let the month roll over. Okay. Well, as I say, Neil's got to go to the bank tomorrow, so I'll get him to put a little stash in yours, too. Cool, thanks. Yeah, after, man, after I bought those 
those premium Hanes underpants. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'll compensate you so you'll have a, so you can at least have some decent underwear to wear. Yeah. Well, Again, that old saying wouldn't want you to be in an accident. See yeah. the rotten old underwear that you're wearing. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, and uh, later. Okay. Talk soon. Okay. okay bye. Bye. Bye.